Welcome to the WA Property Q&A, the podcast where I explore the ins and outs of buying property in Western Australia. I'm your host, Peter Fletcher, and each week I interview local property experts to help you to develop a deep understanding of the nuances of buying property in WA. From market trends to legal considerations, no topic is off limits. But before we dive in, a friendly reminder, while we provide valuable information, it's important to note that nothing discussed in this podcast should be construed as personal investment advice. Always remember to seek the appropriate professional advice for your specific circumstances. Now, let's get started and unlock the secrets to successful property buying in WA. Okay, good morning, folks. Today, I'm with none other than Charlie Gunningham. Hey, Pete, how are you? Good, good. And how are you? I'm very well. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah. Um, so, Charlie and I go way back we do. to about 2000 and I'm going to say zero. Yeah, probably. Yeah. One or two when I was starting AussieHome.com. Yeah, yeah. And I couldn't get you as a client. I tried my <laughs> hardest. <laughs> <laughs> I once even popped in unannounced. Do you remember that? You were so nice. You were so gentlemanly. And the lovely smile you have now. Oh, no, my God. No. <laughs> <laughs> but we became good friends after that. Yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> so for those uh, who, who don't, aren't aware, um, you started up um, a portal, yep. uh, or an internet portal called? AussieHome.com. AussieHome.com. Back in December 99, 24 years ago. Yes. Can't believe it. Yes. My and, goodness. And that portal was primarily focused on the western suburbs. It was. Yeah, because that's where Nick and I um had met at UWA. Mm-hmm. Um and I'd moved to Perth in ninety seven, mm-hmm. bought a house. He similarly was a Swiss guy, came here, bought a house, and we were both talking at the end of the NBA. This is a crazy way of buying a house. But back then, of course, back in the nineties, it was the West Australian or the Sunday Times property section, which were like 120 pages thick, classified ad, lots of classified ad. And we got discussing that like, half the ads didn't have the price or even the address in. So you'd charge around the home opens with your, with your map and, and, your, and your West Australian lift out. And then during the week, you couldn't do anything. There were some property sites, but they didn't have much on them. So realestate.com actually had launched, but it had no one on the ground here. So it had no content till 2003. Mm-hmm. So Nick and I got chatting. And then before we know it, it was the year of the dot-coms. It was 99. It was the new millennium, the Y2K bug. Remember that? So I quit my teaching job at Hale School. And uh, Nick's a hedge fund trader from Zurich by New York. Uh, We're doing a a property portal on the other side of the world. Neither of us had real estate, business, or IT experience. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know what we were in for. And it was then that I probably bumped into you in that first year trying to get some real estate agents onto the portal. Trying to get them onto the net, trying to get them to put their properties on the net, keep them up to date, and then pay for it. And the funny thing is that the, it was the conservative players from the western suburbs that adopted it first. Well, was, yes. you know, that, they were your first customers. As I, it I happened. Think Acton, I think, was, was yeah. on board early. Yeah, and Shella Bears and, and Mac Hall. Actually, Oliphants and Mac Hall were the first. Yep, Shella Bears. DC'd, bless her. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the real estate agents in the western suburbs. Probably because they were independent boutiques. They weren't franchises who already had their internet systems already locked away. Um, so they could make a decision. Plus, that's where the internet was probably uh, most used in the Western suburbs. And they had the spare marketing budget to give some crazy idea like us a go. They were a bit suspicious, but they looked in our eyes and went, oh, I'll give this guy a go. Yeah. 
and bless them, they stuck with us for 10 years. I mean, we then grew around the southern suburbs around Albany Highway, Mount Lawley. You know, we sort of owned that area yeah. uh, in the city. And we had, I think, about, we got to about 85% market share um, within about three, four, five years. Never really broke into Vic Park, your area. But anyway. Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good. Yeah, we're and still then, mates. <laughs> and then we were acquired by Rewa, the Real Estate Institute of WA, yes. after 10 years. And then all my staff got jobs at Rewa, and, we, and I got to run Rewa.com. So it was a 13-year journey of doing what I suppose now you'd say is prop tech. But we didn't have that. We didn't even know what a word startup was. Yeah. There was no startup ecosystem. There were no co-working spaces, no angel groups, no accelerators like there are now. But back then, we were just doing a business and thought this internet thing was pretty cool and thought, well, at least the search would be online. And maybe if we can get real estate agents on to subscribe, we could sort of maybe build a business out of it. Mm-hmm. And you did. And we did. And I suppose we were lucky because, again, at that time, in the year 2000, probably, I think we calculated about a million dollars a month was going to print media mm. in real estate ads. Mm. Yeah, and that we slowly still- ebbed away. And we know where that ended up. Mm. That ended up mainly going to realestate.com yeah, 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 eventually. Yeah, yeah. But it was, it was a period of going from print to digital over a period of 10 years. And by the time we sold to Rewa, and that was the reason for the sale, is we had the Western Suburbs, Rewa.com had everything else. If we put it both together, we could sort of really make Rewa.com stronger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now, a few years down the track, you've mm. been business news and then uh, yeah. and now you're uh, with the state government. And we, and the, the, what you're going to say next, there's going to be a caveat. I'm, I know that. So... Yes. So, yes, I do. So I'm going to fill in a bit of a gap of the last, what I've been doing since uh, I left Reba.com 10 years ago. But yes, I do now work for the state government. So um, listeners, everything I'm saying is, is Charlie Gunningham, the person, not, yes. not to be construed as state government policy or I'm talking on behalf of the department or our minister. Yes. I'm going to put that clear. This is Charlie Gunningham, the individual. But um, over the last 10 years, yes, I did go to a business news. Um, I always really um, admired them as an independent business publisher thought they had real quality content. And when the owner came to me and tapped me on the shoulder and said, you know, come in and help me with the digital transformation and made me CEO, thought, well, there's something different. How do you save media in a digital age? I'd been a sort of attacking the media a little bit with AussieHome.com, but how do you save a quality uh, media organization like Business News? And because they were putting out a weekly paper and yet mm. 80% of their effort went into the paper, but 80% of their viewers was on an mm-hmm. email that went out twice a day mm-hmm. and their website. Mm. And yet they had no revenue on their website. They didn't have mm. digital subscriptions. It was basically people subscribe for a paper. So we had to flip that model around. That was very successful. And while I was there, the first co-working spaces, the first angel groups, the first accelerators. So having exited my startup, I wanted to help, I suppose, the next generation. And that's really what I've been doing for the last 10 years. I wrote a lot about startups in business news and later in startup news, which is something I took over in 2018, and a podcast, Startup West, to try and celebrate and put forward startups. Mm-hmm. I then worked for a, when I left business news in 2017, I worked for a federal government grant program where you could get up to a million dollars if you're a pre revenue innovator project. You could get up to a million dollars. It's called Accelerating Commercialization. It doesn't exist anymore. Um, but for three years, I worked on that. And then I went into state government, and I've been there for coming up for two years, running something called the New Industries Fund, 
at the Department of Jobs, Tourism, Science, and Innovation, or JITSI as it's known. Um, and that's like, for me, I was thinking as I was driving over here, I really have the best job because we're all about supporting startups, uh, innovators, early stage founders, getting them off the ground and getting them accelerated and creating new jobs. You know, why, why are we spending most of our time importing technology from overseas? What about local mm. tech, Australian mm. tech or, or local startups? Mm. So that's what I'm engaged in now. And I really, really enjoy that. Can we talk about the tech, the, the prop tech space mm. and, and what, what you're seeing emerging in that prop tech yeah. space? It's funny because there, you'd think there'd be an awful lot of prop techs, you know, because property is a big industry. So if you look at the WA economy, and this is me as a, now I was formerly an economics teacher, so uh, way before I met you, I was actually in, from England and then Singapore and here an economics teacher, so I'm always interested in economics. So look at the WA economy, Peter. I, I think I'm right in saying that the gross state product of West Australia, 62% is mining. Mm -hmm. so not including exports and imports, just product, what we produce, 62%. Then um, there's a big chunk, which is property and construction. We're talking about property 24, 25 billion construction similar. Mm -hmm. And then government itself is, a, I think, a $38 billion mm -hmm. business. Mm -hmm. So, and if you add those industries up, you basically get 75% of the West Australian economy. Mm -hmm. Now, if the economy was a company and you and I were on the board, we'd probably say to the CEO, mate, 62% of your, of your revenue, of our revenue is in one product yeah. and you're selling it to one customer mm. in China. So we need a bit of diversifying. diversifying. Yeah. Hence, mm. diversify WA is the economic plan. Mm. We sit under that. Now, you'd think with property being a big, getting back to your question, being a big industry area, 24, 25 billion property, similar in construction, the prop tech itself would be huge. And although it has, um, for people like Callum Ashton from PropTech WA and other people who've really been pushing over the last few years, which is great to see, it's not as big. Uh, you know, it's like sort of eighth biggest tech sector. And there are much bigger ones, um, marketplaces, obviously mining tech, ag tech's pretty big, so agricultural technology. We really punch above our weight in WA in medical health life sciences. Who'd have thought? Space is becoming a big area. Um, defense, so cyber. So these are, these are big areas. Prop tech exists, absolutely, and I suppose I was running an early prop tech 20-odd 20, 20 years ago, and Rewa.com still, I think you'd say, is, is prop tech. There are, there, there are people around there, and what I'm interested in, although I've been sort of out of it for 10 years, I've been looking at it sideways, because I'm agnostic now, I'm not just property, I'm any founder, mm. anyone who is growing a business, is artificial intelligence and how AI will affect the property industry. And, and are you having to play with it? Are you seeing oh, stuff happening in that sphere? Chat GPT, right. as, as we were talking uh, off air, um, I'm, a, I'm a tortured writer um, right. and uh, I, I love writing, but I don't like starting mm. writing. Uh, so um, with ChatGPT, it's ask it a question and it sort of gets you to a starting point. Gets you a first and, draft. And, yeah, and, and just the, the way from, to go. And it's, it, from, from a, a, a content production point yes. of view, it's uh, been a massive, massive help. So for your, what, your blog posts for? Yeah, I haven't been doing much, much blog 
uh, writing uh, recently, but uh, um, you know things like um, writing the um, the the blurb for for this podcast, for right. example. Um, I, I just you go on to Chat GPT. Who is Charlie Gunningham? <laughs> I just and you got nothing back. <laughs> uh, well, uh, truth is, I probably use Chat GPT to to just scrape some stuff, mm-hmm. rewrite that, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's just. It's pretty amazing, and you know we're we're just touching the surface with it. Yeah, yeah. Now, artificial intelligence actually has been around for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. So you know, been developing it in the fifties. So people talking about it, but I think the, the why the is game, it so big now? Why it, it ChatGPT was a game changer because a bit like the first browser, there was internet before, right? The browser came along, but it was really sort of super geeks at universities and and going way back to the Pentagon and the ARPANET, which was you know the, the, the forerunner of the internet. Back in the 60s, right, connecting computers, lest there be a nuclear war. That's where the whole internet came from. But then out came Tim Berners-Lee in whatever it was, 1990-91, and made the web browser and made HTML. And suddenly, then when you got browsers a few years later, Netscape, et cetera, and now, now anyone can get access to the internet. You know, it's not just gigs at university or, or super intelligent people, research people. And what ChatGPT has done a year ago, it was only November last year, has now made this interface where you can literally, as you say, ask it a question, which people are used to doing. Mm. Write me a 200-word piece about Shakespeare mm. in French, mm. now in Chinese, mm. instant, three mm. seconds, done. Mm. Well, you could have done that. You could have gone and got that from Google and whatever, translate and done stuff. It taking you hours. Mm. Now you're getting it in seconds. Mm. So what it is is really a very, very clever search engine using artificial intelligence, which is just super fast computers who work incredibly faster than a human brain can, right? But it can only do what it's told to do. Mm-hmm. So does it have actual intelligence like you and I? Can it suddenly say, I'm thinking of making an omelet? No. It'll do what you tell it to do and therefore can do some otherwise menial manual tasks very quickly. Mm-hmm. But I think we shouldn't get too worried about um, when people see something and don't understand, it's going to take my job away which is usually what people think. Technology has you don't, all, you don't think it will take jobs away? It will obviously displace menial tasks. Mm-hmm. It'll obviously get rid of some jobs in the same way that technology has been doing that, by the way, for millennia, mm. right? Like the wheel did, probably, and like the horse and cart did, and like the train did, and like the cinema did, and like the cars did, etc. So, you know, if you're selling buggy whips back 100 years ago, then the car comes out, Probably, if that's your one product, you're going to have to change from selling buggy whips because they're going to be less horse-drawn carriages. So, that, yes, it's going to make a lot of change, I believe, and there's been various reports going way back to the 1870s. Technology will always create more jobs than it displaces. Yeah. So I'm positive about, and usually safer jobs, better paid jobs, mm. right, than those that it displaces or tasks that it displaces. Do we... These sort of tasks that you're talking about help you, save you time, allow you to do other things. Yes, yes. That's... Your brain is probably better deployed than coming up with copy mm. for a podcast episode. Mm, mm. Yeah, that, that is fair to say, yeah. It's a tool. So how do you think that buyers are going to be using mm. ChatGPT? What, what sort of software do you think might get developed to, to help buyers? Yeah. So this, again, is a continuum going back probably from when the internet allowed buyers to get access to information. 
so that when I popped up in 2000 with Nick and AussieHome.com, understandably, our first reaction to this new technology was suspicion. Oh, you guys are going to take away the agent's power. We don't want everyone knowing what the prices are and where the properties are. We, We launched and some of our agents said, take the property off the map. And I said to myself, when I came and pitched to you to be on my site, which bit about a map-based property website did you not understand? We're literally going to tell people, because we're not going to teach them like, treat them like dumbos. People want to know where the property is. So we're going to put it on a map, right? Yeah. This is six years before Google Maps. Yeah. And so it took a while, and probably they gave us a go, and they stayed with us, and it was all a bit clunky, but we you know, sort of held their hand, and we got them through the internet, and they realized, actually... It means they don't have to run around with cars anymore and keys and lockboxes, which they used to do. They don't have to do that anymore. Having fired up buyers who know what they're doing and have access to information, actually, doesn't it make the transaction easier? You're still going to go through a real estate agent. You're not spending so much time with time wasters. I mean, you tell me. You've been in the market 20 years. Has it, has it got, is it easier? Is it quicker because of the technology you've got? Yeah. Or has or is it reduced your power and... Buyers have got a, got too much information, and that's that's annoying for you. Yeah, look, it's uh, the the technology side of things certainly hasn't uh, changed. Uh, the power spread too much. Hmm. Um, buyers are a better uh, better informed now. Yeah. Um, you know, Is that they, good? Uh, I think so. Are they misinformed, or they got the data at their fingertips, and that's good? They can see the sales evidence. They can, yeah. They know what's on the market. They can research it themselves. Yeah. The 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 information imbalance has reduced. Right. So that that e- imbalance between the real estate agent yeah. and the seller and the real estate agent and the buyer. Um, so it, the real estate agent used to own the information. Yeah. What yeah. was what was for sale? Yes. What the properties were. Yeah. Half the time in the ad, they didn't even put the price or the address. This mm. is twenty years ago because they wanted the buyer. To yeah, bring yeah, up the real estate agent to gather information. Now, yeah, well, that's, that, that's that playing games. The, that was the uh, the lead creation. Um, What's tool. it though? Because uh, I yeah, didn't well, even bother. It, it was back know. in the day, right? It, when when I started yeah. out, it was you know you'd never put uh, an, your your the address on the ad unless you were running a home open, and uh, and that was I, I'll give you the address, but first I'll get your phone number, and and that was just yep. okay. Well, there's a lead. Yep. And all of that has has gone away. Uh, every now and then, you'll see somebody advertise a property that is, uh, you know, a dress on request, and you think, mm. okay, well, there, there may be a. Well, they don't put the price on. You're going really? Oh well, that's common. Come on. Yeah, that is that is a hundred percent common because it that's the craziness of the market at the right. moment. Because agents are actually having troubles problem pricing a property. Right. They 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 get it to where they think it probably will land, but there's 5 to 10% variance regularly. Yeah. So getting back to the question, mm. how will AI uh, help buyers? Artificial intelligence then will probably be already, and I don't know, lots of services out there right now, treat it like a different way to interface a search engine. We'll probably be able to provide you a lot of information about the market that's already in the public domain that could be scraped and put into a chat GPT type interface mm. right now, mm. right? I just wonder whether um, it's it's going to go down the path of a natural language uh-huh. um, interface. At the moment on realestate.com, it's 
uh, starts with suburb and then goes down to property type yep. and then beds, yep. baths, mm. price it's very range. Very databasey. Very mm. databasey, yes. Mm. Uh, whereas a, a natural language uh, search would go, I'm looking for yeah. a, a sexy four by two uh, around yeah. Churchlands um, and it, it comes up with, with a small garden, yeah, and, you know, yeah. I, I'd like a north facing. Yeah, and, and, and it comes up with, with a, a list yeah. of, of properties that, that might suit and then, and then it goes um, and then you go, uh, no, nah, they're pretty ordinary yeah. and then just refine and it. Refine it. With, through speech back and forth. Through speech, yeah. You do that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. just natural language. Mm. That's a different That's search It's not happening engine. though. That's a different search engine interface. Yes. yes. Fairly obvious. Yes, yes. Not happening? Someone well, I'm not that. seeing it. Mm. Uh, have you seen it? But that's not going to disintermediate the agent. That's not going to revolutionize the market. That's not going to take power away from the agent. That's just a different way of interfacing with buyers and, and sellers. And they don't have to use a real estate agent in West Australia, but what was it 97% of people do? Mm. 97% of property sales are done by real estate agents. They don't have to. Mm. Mm. In other states, and other, certainly in other countries, it's much lower. Singapore, it's lower. UK, it's lower. Mm. Here, it's very high. Right, so you don't have to use real estate agents, but people do when they want to sell their property. Mm. So I'm not sure if it's gonna. Well, I haven't seen anything yet that will absolutely, as as the term is called, disintermediate. Yeah. And yet, back in the day, back when Nick and I were starting, we had a dis we had a discussion about this. Do we take on the real estate agent and become this alternative marketplace where people can buy and sell? And we thought, nah, the I don't think I don't think the market's ready for that yet. It's still very early. Um, we'll go with the real estate agent being our customer and do everything for them, we'll bring the technology to them and help them use technology. So, and this is where you and I really got working together because when social media came along, right, you and I were, I think, doing the first ever social media courses for real estate agents. Mm -hmm. How to use blogging, how to use Twitter, how to use Facebook advertising. Mm. You and I went and did them down at Challenge Stadium, I remember, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it was packed. Mm. And we do that. And then we brought you into Rewa and we, we did stuff with Rewa.com. And yeah. I remember we were thinking one day on one of those courses, mm. um, we're, we're rolling through and I said, oh, just right mouse click on. And, and somebody goes, what's, what's right, right mouse, mouse click? <laughs> and I went, oh, God. Okay. Bless them. We are oh. in trouble here. No, no, no. We're holding their hand and helping them along. That's all good. <laughs> Yeah, so, so I've been looking for the disintermediator that's going to disrupt the market. And every now and again, they pop up and say, we're the Uber of real estate. And you don't yeah, well, we were just looking at, looking at one. We're not well, going to mention their name. Sure. Uh, we were looking at one that- And it looked like claimed, they were trying to do that. Claimed that very thing. Um, and, and truth be told, I think that they're more targeting the conveyancing side of oh dear. The, your lot. The, the business. What you're up to um, now. Are you uh, worried about that? Oh, um, yes and no. I think it's uh, you know, what what every play, all the players mm. bring to the table isn't the 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 technology like Pexa when when it mm -hmm. came along. You know, is it, um, it it stripped a whole bunch of jobs out of the industry, right. um, and uh, which is the, all the outside clerks mm -hmm. um, that that the menial but tasks. It, but it was as you say, it was the menial tasks. Mm. And I would say this, you know, there's going to be so could new you technology develop, that there's going to strip other other menial well, tasks. Could you develop, are there some menial tasks in settlement? Of course there are, that could be stripped out using technology. 
Oh yeah, I'm right. I'm a hundred percent sure there is, um, and um, still keep you involved. Well, it, and providing that service to your clients. Yeah, so it's the insight that right. we. I, I think that we provide. It's the. It's the. The insights around things like my favourite chemical delignification. Is it a? Is it? Yeah, what on earth is that? Is it a? Is it a structural defect or is uh, it not a structural defect? Right. And there's a whole bunch of you know right. toing and froing about that, and and it's a very nuanced uh, discussion. Yes. Um. Uh, so, and and that does not get removed by technology. Right. Uh, there's an intuition there that you need a human to make yeah. a decision, mm. to make a call. Yeah. Yeah. Through experience, etc. Through seeing something, reading something. Yeah, and being there's there on the spot. Yeah, there's a there's a thing in around the chat GPT circles or AI circles that mm. is called uh, human in the loop. So you use you, you say chat GPT, well, write this, mm-hmm. and then you then the human steps in yes. and and polishes it up Coaches and, it, and, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know changes it and. Uh, but also, it started with a human asking a question, and and it started with a human asking a question. Yes, right. yes. Otherwise, so, just sitting there dead, right? Yeah, yeah. But Let's so let's ask it a different way. Let's go forward fifty years. Mm. You and I are long gone. Mm. Mm. So it's you know it's mm. twenty. I'll 80... only be gone by about two years. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good on you. You live till one hundred and thirty. Hundred whatever. One hundred ten. So we're fifty years hence. We're in the twenty seventies. Real estate industry. Will it be as it is now? No. Will technology be running most of it? Yeah. Will there be humans involved? Yeah, probably. Mm. It'll be different. It'll look different. Like, go back 50 years, right? Go back to the 1970s and now come into the 2020s. Mm. What the hell are these phones you're running around with, Mm. right? These Mm. little devices. It's looking like Star Trek Mm. from back then, probably one of the top shows back in the 1970s, right? Mm. It's looking, Mm. wow, that's like otherworldly. It's going to accelerate even more in the next 50 years. Might agents be disintermediated? They might. Mm. Could a technology come along that would allow a buyer and a seller to meet directly, allow someone to list their properties themselves and sell it using technology mm. without a real estate agent in the next 50 years? In, in, in Probably. In there, there's still an agency relationship. Could be. But it's, it's, yeah. It looks just a bit different. It might have more tech in it. Who are going to be the agents that survive? Who are going to be the ones leading it? The ones using technology now. Mm. The ones talking about it as you are mm. and providing some sort of service to their customers, keeps it relevant, keeps exchange relevant. So one would hope that the real estate institutes, that the peak bodies for real estate who wanted to protect that relationship um, and be the body of the eight of of the um, industry, and I, you know, I worked for uh, a very good Willis Institute, Rewa, um, for three years, as you know, and they were about protecting but also promoting real estate agents uh, and property managers as professionals, uh, doing a really good, difficult job. And I must say, <clears throat> the real estate agents I've used and my property managers are excellent. Mm-hmm. But in the future. Who might I be using? The ones who are probably, for me, giving me enhanced services using technology that grab onto it and use it for the benefit of their buyers and sellers and, and um, tenants. So I'm hearing um, Microsoft Copilot is coming yes. out. Yes. 
And uh, so what that is going to to enable practitioners to do is uh, the email comes in and you just go click create a reply and it's just going to write your reply for you. Like, so AI within Outlook, basically within Microsoft Outlook. What's yes. going to be interesting is that you've got AI writing the reply at one end and potentially AI reply writing the reply at the other end. <laughs> I know where you're going. And, and all these computers talking to each other. <laughs> and all these computers talking to each other. And, and I'm hearing that, um, yeah. that Zoom meetings, um, you're going to be able to get an AI bot to stand in your place, take notes, ask questions, um, and... And you're out fishing on Rottnest Island. <laughs> <laughs> and then, well, uh, somebody else cottoned onto it and you've got this meeting full of AI. That's great. I want to send my bots to every meeting. Quite a great idea. Answer all my emails. And Wow, now, how productive would I be during and the And now you go, well, uh, what is the... What's the purpose of the whole exchange? You might as well have got the two bots together and just go, we'll, yeah. we'll agree on this. Sort it out, guys. And have the human in the loop go, yeah, we agree with that, yeah. and, and press the go button on a piece of software. Going to a meeting, sending an email, a menial task. If you don't have to send another email, is, are you going to be bothered about that? I mean, I, sp I could spend a whole day just answering emails. I get a fire hose of emails. Mm, they mm. love emails in state government, and they mm. love meetings. Mm, 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 mm. Take away most of that. I'll mm. probably get in trouble for saying this, but it's, it's, yeah, well, it's pretty obvious, uh, right? And yeah. I could be more productive yeah. in my day. I, I think in anyone's uh, anyone's day would be more productive if they got rid of emails uh, yeah. or replying to menial emails. But, you know, the funny thing is that some people are addicted to them. Yeah. They just... But let's get back to, the, again, to what's it called? Microsoft... Uh, Copilot. Copilot, yeah. Mm. Coming out next week, I think. Um, I'm excited about it. If it's it. going to give me an AI layer over my calendar, my Teams meetings, and my emails mm. so that I can interrogate it, because often I'm going, oh, what was that email that I sent? And I have to go and look at it in my deletes or my sents. Oh, for goodness sake. If it's mm. going to give me an AI layer going, give me every email about da -da -da mm. that I've sent, or including meetings and Teams calls, and it might even give me a transcript of the Teams call right now. Summarized in 100 words. Mm. Thank you. Mm. That's just saved me five, 10 minutes yeah. of meaningless time, and it's taken 10 seconds. I go, great, and get on. That's removing a menial task, yes. making me more productive. That's mm. good. Mm. I'm doing more stuff with less in the same amount of time. So I'm all happy. I think also Copilot is going to be secure. Beware of ChatGPT. It's yes. not secure. It's in the public domain. Mm. You could have yeah. awful luck. That's ways into your computer. You've got to be very careful about that. So be very careful about going into your office and going, hey, guys, AI, okay, we're all going to use ChatGPT, go. No, mm, no. Mm. So Microsoft are doing it in, in a way, I'm not selling Microsoft, but they're doing, it's not cheap. It's 500 bucks per person per year, so it's not going to be cheap. Yeah. But is it going to give you $500 worth of value in a year? Mm. Mm. Right? I won't answer that question. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, I, think I, about I, it, I and then you'll go, I might, I might give this a go. I have zero doubt it will. And what it does is, uh, well, you kind of feel for uh, platforms like Grammarly, which you could use it as, I think it had uh, the an Outlook uh, interface yes. and, uh, and a WordPress. Chrome mm -hmm. interface. Yes. 
and uh, you click on, uh, you know, it, it'll it'll tell you where you've made the mistakes, yeah. and, and that's fantastic. Mm. But AI takes it to the next level. It's, it just interrogates what the conversation and writes your reply for you, yeah. and sorts out the grammatical issues. Yep. And uh, it, every now and then, I see, you know, one of one of our people, you know, they get a bit hot under the collar mm-hmm. and uh, write a reply that probably should have been dialed back a bit. Yes. And, uh, it's great, though, to write those replies and then delete it. Well, d- You feel so good. Don't even, send it. Just write it. Get it off your chest. Delete e- it. Even, oh, I feel better. Even better still, <laughs> just get AI to, yeah. to, to write the reply. Yeah. And you go, okay, we're in safe grounds here. And Or the number of times you've sent it to someone incorrectly because of autocomplete of an email address. Oops, that's gone to the wrong person. Mm, Ouch. Mm. Right. But you've sent emails with, with robots before. You've sent an email newsletter, right? So you've set up the e- newsletter. You might have then scheduled it, and it's just gone off to mm. 250, 2,500 people. Mm-hmm. Right? So the idea of someone sending an email for you is not that no. amazing No, no. into yeah. the future. You've mm. been doing it for years. So have I. Mm. Uh, and even you can then see who's opened it, who's clicked on what link. Mm. Right, mm. that's been around for over ten years. Mm. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's it'll it'll be interesting to see how. Okay, so here's one thing that I, I see as a possibility for buyers, and that is we get a lot of uh, Eastern States clients say to us, uh, oh, "Can you do a contract review?" Okay, well, so what's that? <laughs> Contract oh, reviews. You side. So again, it sounds like a menial task to me. Well, contract reviews make a lot of sense in the eastern states, right? But uh, here in WA, they make less sense because everything is is uh, templated. Like you've got the REWA standard right. annexures and the REWA standard offer and acceptance. And, and over there, there could be all types of different uh, contracts. I, I think so. Which I don't you need to review. I, I don't. I don't know the con. The 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 uh, the lawyers often prepare the contracts okay. and give them to the parties. Um, my point is this. You upload a document to uh, AI and it creates contract review for you. Mm-hmm. Now, that's there's some value in that. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, you would know all the rules and regulations and laws yeah. instantly and be able to tell you boop, 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 bits that are wrong, bits that need reviewing. Well, I'm no, lo- I'm no lawyer. And so there's, you know, a very clear disclaimer that, uh, sure. you know, don't, don't do this at home. Nor am I. <laughs> But I um, I asked uh, ChatGPT to write me a uh, contract condition for something or the other. Oh, I can't remember what it was, but yeah, wow, it was it was good. Good. It was way better than I would have ever done. Yep. Now, a, a lawyer uh, who's listening to this would probably say, "Oh, you shouldn't oh, be doing that." <laughs> but uh, the fact is that real estate agents write contract conditions regularly. Yep. And we see them come through on on contracts. They're dreadful. Even even uh, myself as a layperson yeah. uh, looks at them and just goes, you know, the, the, they're missing the the when out mm-hmm. of the what, why, when, where, and how, right. uh, or, or they're missing the 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 who yep. out of it. And it's just this dreadful, dreadful condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I I just go well. Chat GPT would be really, really handy there, mm-hmm. not just for real estate agents, but also for for buyers who go, well, do I really want this? You know, this worded this way. You know, put a yep. little bit of meat into it. Yeah. Uh, so there's another application. Mm, and mm. 
we should probably stop talking about ChatGPT because that's just one example. We talk, really, it's AI. Yes, it's AI. Intelligence is yes. going to be huge. Right? Mm, mm. So, and and that is going to affect every industry. This is where we came in. It's affecting not just property; it's affecting every industry. It just will. It'll affect government. It will affect property. It'll affect selling of widgets. It'll, it'll affect all sorts of things. It's going to affect media. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. So, and I as it looked on as a tool that that reduces menial tasks that no one really likes doing anyway. Mm. and can do very efficiently and very fast, can release human endeavor to do more creative, high-level stuff, which we're really good at. Mm-hmm. Like, because we have empathy, we care, you know, those sort of things that we can what it, spend time doing those things. What would be really good is to have um, a an AI bot on your website where mm-hmm. people could chat and ask questions. And chat bots have been around for ages. I know, but they're often not accurate. Okay. Uh, or so make them better. Inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't seen any any really good ones um, that are a train for local real estate. Right. You know that understand. Right. Something something along the lines of, um, uh, you know, w- um, what what would happen if I didn't get my finance approved mm-hmm. on time. Mm-hmm. Now, one of my people, I know I could answer that question yep. quite comfortably yep. because I, I, I know what the, the, the REWA you know, Clause 1 talks about, but I've yet to see a, a chatbot. There's that test, isn't that, there? And I've forgotten point. the name of the test, but the test is if you're talking to a chatbot and, and let's say there were 10 of them mm-hmm. and five of them were actually humans behind it and five were AI. Mm-hmm. And you could not tell the difference. Mm-hmm. You, no matter what you said, you could not tell the difference. Then you've crossed over to actual intelligence, mm-hmm. generative mm-hmm. AI, not mm-hmm. just AI, mm-hmm. right? The AI of AI, if you like. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's probably where it's heading. Mm. You don't actually know. It's as good as talking to a human, but you're not. Mm. So some of these chat, they're not bad, but you know, they're not bad. But Benny, if you have to sort of ask the question in the right way, sometimes to get they answer. have they have what a, a, and they're not a, a, a hallucination, and they make make stuff up, and you go, oh, I can't believe you just said that because it's just flat out wrong. Yes, it's the Alan Turing test, wasn't it? The 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 um, Cambridge mathematician got uh, the Nobel Prize. Yeah, uh, okay, Is that right. Uh, um, who did who did that machine that was used in the Second World War? Mm-hmm. Um, to de- decode um, the messages. Anyway, Turing, 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 Turing test. Yeah, I N G. Yeah. So that's what you know. You, so that's probably being developed right now. Mm. That doesn't sound too hard mm. to get a real estate bot that almost acts like a human, and you could have real time discussion back and forth with it. Quite easy. Mm. Probably on your phone. Mm. Mm. Well, that's uh, that's going to be interesting uh, to see how that plays out, Charlie. Mm. Um, I think it'll make the world a bit uh, bit more interesting for buyers. For the oldest older set, they're almost going to feel kind of alienated. They want that human interaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see this uh, with with some of our older clients where they like the. The, the sense of certainty of, of mm-hmm. paper. Uh, yeah. We do very little in paper, but every now and then you'll get a client who just, can't you just print it out and send it? And yeah. 
Mm. And they still like walking into a bank and doing yeah. Sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With I their, remember the last time I walked into a bank. With their passbooks. Bless them. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. All right. So and then there's this whole generation, you know, my kids in their 20s, who will never open a newspaper or a magazine. Yes. They haven't yet. When will they won't? Yes. Everything is through their phone. That's interesting because we, we've seen that, that mm. shift from newspapers right. to, to where they grown up today. With the shift already done. What is their shift going to be in mm. in 30 years' time? When right. when they're sort of roughly our age, mm-hmm. they they're going to be they're going to be going to their kids. Yeah, I remember back in my day we had the I actually Apple, drove a Apple car. iPhone. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, what what is I it? I drove going? a car. What was that like? I did a driving test. Is this the last generation that'll do a driving test? Right. In in thirty years time, will people be doing? Will we be driving cars? So when horse and cart and the cars mm. you know, hundred years ago, there was a twenty year period where there were horse carts. Mm. You go back and look at the old nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties. Yeah, there were cars, and there were horses and carts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, after 20 years, there were very few horses and carts. Mm-hmm. So there will be a 20-year period where people are driving cars and there are automated mm. Self- mm. self-driving cars. Mm. But probably after 20 years, yeah, well, you know, when you, nearly all of them are going to be self-driving. When, when you talk about that, what is the future of <coughs> petrol stations? Right. Mm. They're going to be charging stations. Um, they going to be EVs. Mm. Already now in Norway, uh, 68% of new cars are EVs. Mm. You know, here it's more like five, six percent. We're way behind in Australia, but last year it was two percent. Mm. So it's coming, and range anxiety, right, is is the problem. Most people are worried about: will the battery last more than ten years? Outlast the car? Well, yes, they will. Oh, it's expensive, but it's coming down. I, I see e minis now sold for under fifty grand. They used to be eighty. It's coming down. You got BYDs coming in from China. You know. That are they're going to be thirty grand already now? That the MGs, I think, which is the cheapest EV, is is in the thirty grand now. Now that's become more affordable. My next car will certainly be an EV. Haven't bought one in a while, but probably if I do buy one, that'll probably what it what it'll be. So you know, we're going to move, and then eventually, do we even need to own cars at all? Will we even need traffic lights if you've got self-driving cars? Will we need car parks? Mm, mm. Will we have no, more cars on the road or we're less in, cars? We're on in the WA. Road? We uh, our Electric cars won't be able to merge. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be programmed in. But uh, th- this uh, this raises an interest. Now we're off real estate, but you know. Well, what I mean? yeah. yes, we are, but it's also you know, we could very easily bring it back onto real estate mm. by saying, well, if all that is coming, yeah, what is the shape of property? What are the sorts mm. of things that in in properties that people are going to to want to yeah. expect? Yeah, uh, things like. Charging stations, batteries. Yeah. Would they even need car parks, car bays? Would you even need it? Yeah. Well, if you have self-driving cars and and you just hire them on Uber anyway. Yes. Why do you even need to own them? Yes. Yes. You just—it's just mobility. Mm. It's just moving around. Mm. Right. I mean, I see buses going around. They're empty. So buses go away. We just got self-driving vehicles of all different shapes and sizes. We can hire whenever we want. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's going to be a transition, just like print to digital. We mm. saw that in advertising. It's not going to happen on one day. It's going to happen slowly, so slow that the incumbents don't realize what's happening and they're being white-anted, right? Mm. But they're very arrogant because they've got the market and they're making good money and they'll still make 
good money until it's too late and someone else is blowing past them. Mm. So I always say, beware the homicidal tortoise, right? The homicidal tortoise will get you, not mm-hmm. the hare. Mm-hmm. The tortoise wins the race in mm-hmm. Aesop fables, right? Mm. Beware the homicidal tortoise, which is going to kill you slowly. Mm-hmm. And you don't see it. It's an invisible, by the way, homicidal tortoise. You don't see it. So the print media had the market in 2000. By 2010, the online media had the advertising market. And you can't tell me that it happened on October the 27th, 2006. No, it didn't. It happened slowly over 10 years. And it's still going on. So there are trends going on right now, eating away at the incumbents, because that's what they do, finding competitive edges. AI will accelerate it only quicker. And I don't know where it's going. Mm. right but it's going to be different but i would look for the homicidal invisible tortoise Mm. look for the small slow changes it's going to eat away but have a dramatic impact over time yeah ai absolutely internet of things absolutely smart cities yes autonomous uh vehicles yes hiring them whenever you want for mobility yes what sort of changes are going to happen in healthcare right the sort of technology that's going to help surgeons in healthcare um, and is and better medicines and all that sort of stuff. We're going to live longer, looking after the aged. How are you going to, we're going to have this increasing population over sixty, over seventy, over eighty, as the baby boomers now are reinventing retirement, and they want to live in their houses for longer. So, what technology will be required to help them live in their houses for longer and safely? Mm. Right. So we have. Us, I mean, my parents have passed away, but you, you, you you're worried perpetually. How are they? You know, my mm. dad had a few falls, mum, etc., and, you know, didn't end up in a home. They lived until dad passed away. They lived in their own two-story house, and it was like, ooh, and that was back in England. And every time the phone rang, I thought something had mm. happened mm. badly to them, you know. So that's technology is going to help there. Technology is going to help in education. Technology is going to help in regional areas. I'm fascinated with how technology is going to solve all sorts of problems, mm. which is why getting back to where we started, I love my job because I'm there helping startups, innovators, researchers. I'm industry agnostic. Wherever they are, what a problem they're solving. That's what I want to hear. I actually don't care about the technology or the features. I want them to tell me clearly what problem are they solving? What are they seeing that they can solve elegantly with technology? And why are they going to be the ones to solve it? Because if they solve a problem, they create value. And if they create value, someone might pay for that value. And if someone might pay for that value, there could be a business in it. But it goes down to what problem are you solving? What have you seen you can solve with technology? Mm. And, and if you don't worry about your product, because your product will change as your customers demand what they demand and buy what they buy. But ultimately, the only validation is a customer taking money out of their pocket and paying you for whatever that service is, whatever that technology is. Charlie, right there, I think, is a good spot to wrap today right. up. Um, this has been um, a fascinating conversation, as it always is. been great when we get to together. chat with you again, Pete. Um, now, I, at this stage of the, of the uh, podcast, I usually ask people if, uh, how people would want to get hold of you. And yeah. uh, is, that, is that a possibility here? Absolutely. Or? So I've, I've um, come off Twitter. I, I don't really post on Facebook anymore. Yes. Um, I rarely on Instagram. Yes. So probably if you want to reach me, easiest is the only one I'm really active on is LinkedIn. So LinkedIn, look me up yes. on LinkedIn. Uh, I find that more professional, more grown up. The others I'm afraid have gone into a into mm. a basket and I don't like them anymore. Yes. I'm not on them. Just go just go straight to TikTok, Charlie. No. <laughs> 
You don't want to see me on TikTok. Oh, he, he's uh, he's channeling <laughs> some good boomer energy. So <laughs> so you're you're Charlie Gunningham on tw- on, on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah, if somebody wants to reach Absolutely. out and ask you a question, you especially see. if they've got a technology or an idea. Um, I I love sitting down with with people um, mm. and having a coffee, and I'll buy the coffee. Yeah, very generous with your time. Happy to, Charlie. Thank you so much for uh, for your time, and uh, that's all for uh, for this episode. So thanks for tuning in. And that wraps up another episode of the WA Property Q and A. We hope you found our discussion valuable and gained some valuable insights into the world of property buying in Western Australia. Remember, while we strive to provide useful information, it's crucial to consult with the appropriate professionals before making any investment decisions. Don't forget to tune in next week for another exciting episode where we continue to unravel the mysteries of the WA property market. If you have any questions or topic suggestions, feel free to reach out to us. Until then, happy property hunting and remember to seek the right advice for your personal circumstances. Thank you for listening. Thank you.